Hi, my name is Joe Hunter, and you're listening to I've Heard That Song Before. This is a program where we take a selection from the Great American Songbook and have some fun listening to and discussing. And our guest today is Mr. Les Roberts, author, critic, producer, actor, and something I was not aware of, a former professional jazz piano player. Long time ago. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. We ask Les to choose a song from the Great American Songbook, and he has chosen Lush Life, words and music by Billy Strayhorn who was, of course, Duke Ellington's right-hand man, arranger. This is such an amazing song, Joe. I've loved it since I was a kid. I loved the harmonics. I certainly loved the lyrics. And all my years in playing, I never did this song properly, so I just stopped doing it. It was that <laughs> tough and that sophisticated and that wonderful. So, Les, just tell me a little bit more about your experience playing jazz piano in Los Angeles, I assume? I was in Los Angeles. I was working days as a producer. I was trying to sell shows to the networks. This was back in the 70s, and I had to figure out some way to put bread on the table, so I got myself a job as a piano player and singer in a lot of different saloons in Los Angeles. And, of course, I got a lot of requests that bored me a lot, but I did them anyway. But I didn't get a chance to play the songs that I really loved. But every once in a while, when there was a small crowd, I'd say, the hell with you, I'm going to do what I want. And I had a ball doing that. Well, Les, the song you've chosen today, we know is not the most requested song, but it is a favorite among jazz musicians and bon vivants. And that is The Great Lush Life by Billy Strayhorn, who wrote both the lyrics and the music to this song. And my understanding is that he wrote this while he still lived in Pittsburgh. He was about 16 or 17 years old when he wrote both this lyric and this haunting melody and this wonderful set of chord changes. I heard that, and what an astonishing thing for oh. a kid to come up with. It's like Mozart. Yes, absolutely. Apparently, when he first was introduced to Duke Ellington, he was looking for a job as a lyricist. Uh-huh. He played the song for Duke, and that was 1938, and he didn't present it publicly with Duke Ellington until 1948. Now, we were speaking earlier. I know you're familiar with this first rendition of the song we're going to hear, which I'm pretty certain is the first commercially recorded version of this. This is Nat King Cole. Absolutely. This was recorded for Capitol Records, and I imagine you're quite familiar with the Capitol Recording Building out in Los Angeles. Oh, definitely. They used to call it... The house that Nat built. You're absolutely right. It's one of the ugliest buildings in the world. <laughs> and it's right there in the middle of Hollywood. Big circular thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you think of Nat and Sinatra, and, you know, so many people recorded for Capitol back in those days. So I'm glad it's there as ugly as it is. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Ellington's publisher got this into Nat King Cole's hands, who liked it and turned it over to Pete Rugolo, mm-hmm. who had a studio orchestra. Of course, Pete Rugolo, great arranger with Stan Kenton. Sure. And this was also the first time that Nat King Cole recorded with full orchestration. Prior to that, of course, he had his wonderful trio. Trio. Oh, what a group, huh? What a player he was. Wow. Yeah, such elegant, swinging, yep. wonderful records. So this record is going to include a couple members of his trio, Irving Ashby on guitar mm-hmm. and Joe Comfort, recorded in New York City, March 29th, 1949, for Capitol Records. And this is... The first commercial recording of Billy Strayhorn's Lush Life. I forgot about the little bongo. I used to visit all the very gay places, those come what may places, where one relaxes on the axis of the wheel of life to get the feel of life from jazz and cocktails. 
I knew had sad and sullen gray faces with distant gay traces that used to be there you could see where they'd been washed away by too many through the day 12 o'clock tales then you came along with your siren of song to tempt me to madness I thought for a while that your poignant smile was tinged with the sadness of a great love for me. Ah, yes, I was wrong. Again, I was wrong. Again, and only last year, everything seemed so sure. Now life is awful again, a trough full of hearts could only be a bore. A week in Paris will eat. A bite of it All I care Is to smile In spite of it I'll forget you I will While yet you Are still Burning inside My brain Romance Is much Trifling those who strive I'll live a lush life In some small dive And there I'll be Where I'll rot With the rest Of those who lives Are lonely Wow. You know, I've, of course, heard the Nat Cole recording before. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever heard the song Lush Life. But until now, I hadn't realized how grossly overproduced <laughs> it was. There was a lot of stuff going on there. I'm sure Pete Rugolo did. It just made it overly dramatic, I thought. In the verse there with the jazz and cocktails, yeah. it sort of breaks into some sort of party song. Right. I was also struck with, I mean, I'm a huge Nat King Cole fan, sure. you know, both as a pianist and as a singer, but there are some strange pronunciations of some of the lyrics that I thought kind of jumbled it. I think that's true, and I think there was nobody there back in those days to walk up and say, Nat, you said this wrong, which is too bad. We were talking earlier, I mentioned that Strayhorn himself really was not that fond of that record because he did the body of the song, not the verse, but the body of minor. And he didn't like the fact that Nat King Cole had changed siren song to siren of song. Uh And I also, for the first time, was struck at the end. He seemed to be saying 
distant gay traces. When I believe the word is disting. Distingue. Yeah, distingue. Distinguished. Right. Yeah. And it didn't sound as if he said whose lives are lonely too. He said lives who. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I never heard until this time. Too. Yeah, yes. I was reading somewhere that Rugolo, shortly after that record was released, went on to MGM, became a composer and arranger for MGM. Right. And it was there that he realized that, because the song never was released, it was the B-side of a record called Lillian, but it became a huge hit among the movie star set. And Rugolo was talking about Ava Gardner loving it. It was Lana Turner's favorite song. Those two actresses lived their lives, lived their lush lives, right. just like the song said. Yes, they certainly did. Next up, we'll listen to what I'm sure many jazz musicians would say is the definitive version. And this came from a popular record on Impulse in the early 60s. It was John Coltrane featuring Johnny Hartman. And it was the classic John Coltrane quartet with McCoy Tyner and Elvin Jones and Jimmy Garrison. And this is actually, I have to admit, how I first heard the song was uh-huh. through this particular rendition. I heard this song first just recently, Joe. And I've always liked Johnny Hartman. And of course, I loved Coltrane, still do. But I never realized until hearing this particular version how good Hartman was. Absolutely. So it's really nice to revisit him in a beautiful song like this. Let's have a listen to it. I used to visit all the very gay places Those come what may places Where one relaxes on the axis of the wheel of life To get the feel of life From jazz and cocktails The girls I knew had sad and sullen gray faces With distant gay traces That used to be there You could see where they'd been washed away By too many through the day Twelve o'clock tales Well, that's nice. Wonderful interplay with the pianist. Yes. You came along with your siren song To tempt me to madness I thought for a while that your poignant smile Was tinged with the sadness of a great love for me Everything seemed so sure Now life is awful Again, a trough full of hearts Could only be a bore A week in palace the bite of it All I care is to smile in spite of it I'll forget you, I will While yet you are still Burning inside my brain 
as much Stifling those who strive I'll live a lush life In some small dive And there I'll be While I rot with the rest Of those whose lives are That was so amazing. You know, Johnny Hartman was so sad when he sang that song. He brought so much feeling to it, which Nat Cole never really did. It is, we were saying earlier, one of the saddest songs. Right. And that rendition, you feel the poignancy, the tragedy, I mean, of a lost love affair that's going to take decades to get over. Right. Your life has been changed forever. We've all been there. (laughs) And he brings such impact to some of these wonderful phrases that Strayhorn uses in that. You know, where I'm going to rot with the rest in a trough full of hearts. I always love that. The lyrics are so moving, but he brought so much to them. And what was lovely, I mean, McCoy Tyner was just the most amazing accompanist. Beautiful. And when Train came in a little bit behind him, just a little bit, it was so tasty and so wonderful. I learned that the obligados were done after the fact. Train went back in to spice up. They weren't done live. They were done as overdubs. Great idea on transport. Yeah, it was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that really is, to me, one of the finest readings of that song. Definitely. Now that I've heard it you know, a couple of times, 
I am going to go get the record and have it with me all the time. The whole record is great, too. Yes. And, you know, again, I know that Strayhorn was not that pleased with it because Coltrane took a lot of liberties with the harmonies on it. Yes, he changed did. some of the chords, and Strayhorn didn't like that. But I have to say that I'm really quite terribly fond of that. And you think 1963, John Coltrane was really getting into some way far out stuff, experimental things by that point. Yep. But to go back and make this beautiful record with Johnny Hartman. I think he showed a great deal of respect for the tune as it was written Mm -hmm. because it was written so intricately and so creatively. And I appreciated the fact that he was so reserved. I mean, he only took one chorus, which was nice. I mean, as we both know, it's a very long form tune. I wish I had counted the measures before we started talking, because it's a long form from the beginning to the end. That's right. That's a short story, isn't it? Absolutely. It really is. So I thought I would bring in something that I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing, because I just recently discovered this myself. It's a recording of Billy Strayhorn himself from 1964. I've never heard this. I can't wait. Live at Basin Street East. It sounds maybe just slightly inebriated, <laughs> uh, but it's very interesting to hear his take on it. So why don't we give that a listen? I used to visit all the very gay places Come what may places Where one relaxes on the axis of the will of life To get the feel of life From jazz and cocktails The girls I knew had sad and sullen gray faces with distinguished traces. Now he said it right. It used to be there, you could see where they'd been washed away by too many through the day. Twelve o'clock tales. Then you came along with your siren song to tempt me to madness. I thought. For a while that your poignant smile was just delivering like an actor yes exactly for me ah yes <laughs> i was wrong having some fun with the audience Again, yes i was wrong Life is lonely again And only last year Everything seemed so sure Now life is awful again A trough of hearts could only be a ball Spoken song almost, it's yes. not metronomic time A right. week in Paris Ease the bite of it All I care is to smile In spite of it Wow (laughs) I'll forget you, I will While yet you are still burning inside my brain Romance is mush stifling those who strive I'll live a lush life in some small dive 
And there I'll be while I rot With the rest Of those Whose Lives Are Love That was really educational for me. Obviously, the guy was not a vocalist, but he acted the song. He acted the song the way Peggy Lee used to act the song, the way Lena Horne acts a song. I was intrigued. It was almost a jazz soliloquy. It, it was like <laughs> something from a written play or something. It really was, as we were saying earlier, it was not in metronomic time. Right. He was taking all kinds of fun liberties, like a musical theater actor, really, more so than a jazz singer. Sure. But we were both commenting, he went to great lengths to be extremely articulate. <laughs> yes. All those words, there was no doubt. Well, when he said, this time gay, yep, there uh, it was. <laughs> he finally understood it. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd been there. Yeah. He did sound like he'd probably had a few too many, but God knows I sat in Basin Street East many, many times, and I'd had too many, so it was okay. <laughs> Very enjoyable, isn't it? It's really quite insightful to hear it done by him. It sure was. Some amazing versions that I had not heard before. And I wish we had time to play some of the other ones. One of the great ones I wanted to mention was Billy Eckstein's recording of it from 1960, which apparently was Billy Strayhorn's favorite version of it. I certainly believe that. Billy Eckstein was an old friend of mine back in Los Angeles, and he had a voice like a cello. He was just the most wonderful singer and wonderful guy. Absolutely, absolutely. And an old friend of Strayhorn's from Pittsburgh. Yep. They grew up together. And then, of course, Chris Connors was the first female jazz singer to really put her mark on it in the right. 50s. I remember that, too, sure. But our engineer found something that neither one of us have heard, and I'm curious to hear it now. This is a version of Strayhorn's Lush Life by Queen Latifah, who we know started out as a hip-hop rap artist and, and has quite a successful movie career. She sure has. We'll talk about it afterwards, but I think it could give her some credence as a performer of this song, her acting abilities. Right. So let's give this a listen. It's beautiful. I used to visit all the very gay places those come what may places where one relaxes on the axis of the wheel of life to get the feel of life from jazz and cocktails the girls i knew had sad and sullen gray faces with distant k traces that used to be there you could see where they'd been washed away by too many through the day twelve o'clock tales then you came along with your siren song to tempt me to madness i thought for a while that your point 
I almost feel, Joe, like I was sitting in Carnegie Hall. There was all that stuff going on, the harp and the shimmering. <laughs> How'd you like that accordion when she was you know, making reference to France? Did you catch a little bit? There was an accordion somewhere yes. tucked back in there. I thought right. that was great. I thought it was very interesting. I think she's very good. I was really very impressed. I didn't realize she could sing that well. She reminded me of Natalie Cole. Yes, she sure did. But I guess what I love about this song is I get the feeling from it of sitting in a joint. Yes. A low-class dive. You know, the musicians are all half gone, and the customers are half gone, and they're all sad, and they come up with this very, very sad tale to tell. And I guess of all we've listened to today, I like the Coltrane and Hartman version the best because it sounds like a jazz joint. Yeah, capture that intimacy. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, even Drayhorn's rendition with its out-of-tune singing everything, had very much that same character. Yes, that's right. And I think anybody who's spent any time at all in bars and in joints and been part of that nightlife, this song really speaks to us all. Well, it sure speaks to me a a little more than it should sometimes. 
But I think we both enjoyed that. That was interesting. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. I'm very impressed with her. I certainly liked her in the films I've seen her in, especially in Chicago. I like watching her on television. I'd never heard her do a tune like this, and I'm very impressed. I mean, it was judgmental on my part. I wouldn't have thought that she would have been able to engage me as much as she did That's with, right. with that song. That's right. That was very nice. I've had such a good time listening to the versions of Lush Life. It's always been one of my favorites, and my eyes and my ears are opened even more listening to all this good stuff. Well, it's been great hearing your comments and a lot of the insight you bring to the song. But we have one last song for you to listen to, and it's kind of a treat. We try to think of something we can connect with what we've been listening to today. And since we've been talking about Strayhorn so much, I thought we would listen to a record that he produced and arranged for Rosemary Clooney. Wow. It's kind of a rare record. It's called Blue Rose on Columbia, and it's Rosemary Clooney with Duke Ellington Orchestra. But Billy Strayhorn was the main arranger and the producer of this record. And the tracks were recorded in New York City. And he flew out with the, and lived in Rosemary's house and rehearsed with her because she was pregnant at the time and couldn't travel. Married to Jose Ferrer. Right, right, exactly. So we're going to hear a composition by Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn, arranged by Billy Strayhorn, performed by the Duke Ellington Orchestra, and that's Duke Ellington on the piano, and sung by the marvelous Rosemary Clooney. This is I'm Checking Out Goombay, 1956. <laughs> That's Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet. Yeah. yeah. After Lush Life, this is lifting everybody's spirits. Yes. I thought I'd call you. I hope. You're not sick Cause I'm checking out Goombay <laughs> Nice to have known you You were my big kick But I'm checking out Goombay You tried no trick You found a new chick But I was too slick I'm in the know You've got to go The cake is all dough It's too bad I'll oh, miss The cake is all dough <laughs> out like this I'm checking out Goombay 
tried no trick You found a new chick But I was too slick I'm in the know, you've got to go The cake is all done It's too bad our bliss Had to miss out like this I'm checking out That was such fun. As you said, Les, it's nice to end on that note after spending a program where we listened to one of the saddest songs ever written. Correct. The liner notes to that song were interesting because Billy Strayhorn was doing all the rehearsing with Rosemary, uh-huh. and he instructed her, although she's leaving, she's supposed to be feeling empowered. Sure. Not sad. So. <laughs> well, once again, we've spent a very enjoyable hour or so with Les Roberts, and thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me, Joe. I just had a great time listening to this wonderful music. So until next time, my name is Joe Hunter, and you've been listening to I've Heard That Song Before. See you then. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>